Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. Those who are full now, who think they are full now, they're not hungry. They are satiated by self. Satiated by the world, they, they're, they're in a position where they, they feel like, my goodness, I couldn't possibly stuff one more good thing in. Jesus says that the eternity that is awaiting them is one of continuous hunger. And when they get there, they will suddenly discover that all that they thought was fullness here was nothing more than emptiness. Jesus also spoke about weeping and laughing. The statement concerning weeping and laughing is aimed at our reaction to sin. To weep over sin is to be repentant. Repentance leads to saving grace, which leads to joy. Joy that I'm accepted and loved by God, which is only going to intensify when I leave this world and enter into his personal presence. But to laugh over sin is to think that sin is no big deal. And I think you can understand with me when I say that that right there is what you see every night and day on television. It's what the sitcoms are all about. Laughing at sin. It's to refuse to to take human depravity seriously. Do you, do you take human depravity seriously or do you just laugh at it? Or maybe try to explain it away. And not only does this attitude refuse to take human depravity seriously, but as I've already said, it, it tends to want to take that which is depraved and make it the impetus of what entertains them. Let's laugh about all those things. This kind of life will come to a close with the horrid discovery that sin is a monster that leads to eternal death, separated from the only source of joy, which is Christ himself. The last couplet that Jesus mentions here comes in the form of how the world treats us. Persecution versus popularity. It's it's amazing to read the passage. Jesus actually says that we are blessed when people hate us. That we are blessed when they exclude us. That we are blessed when they revile us. And when they consider our name evil. Mm. Let me stop there for a second. When they consider our name evil. Not because we've been jerks. Because if they consider your name evil because you're just a big fat jerk. Well that's just your problem. But Jesus said, when they consider your name evil because of your association with him. And we say, how can that be? And I come back and say, it can be. Because this is ultimately how the world treated Jesus and how they treated his disciples and his apostles. Remember earlier on in the message how I said that light either illuminates the path or it blinds us from it. That's what righteousness does in this dark world. For many, it blinds to to what we see in this world. And and what do we do when light is hurting our eyes? 
We do whatever it takes to turn it off. Listen to what Jesus, listen to what Jesus says about this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out, not in his own power, not in her own ability, but in God. That he is the impetus, he is the driving force. What we find then is that the light of Christ, when it is shining through his disciples, it often causes great pain for the people of the world. Because they do not want to accept that their deeds are evil. So what do they do? They lash out. They persecute. They're working to get the light turned off. It's hurting their eyes. And we tend to think, well, this is a negative. And it is to a point because no one wants to be persecuted, at least of all me. I'm the biggest sissy there is in the world when it comes to persecution. I don't want to be persecuted, but if we're being persecuted because we are shining the light of Christ, then it becomes a testimony that we are actually living like our master. Now, again, let me just say this. If you're just a big old jerk and there's a lot of Christians who are just big old jerks. Isn't that right, Brett? You told me that this week. (laughs) There's a lot of Christians who people just don't like because they're just jerks. They need to repent. But listen, when you're walking in the way of the Spirit, when you're walking after Jesus, when you're shining His light, it hurts the world's eyes and they will persecute you. And you should find joy in that to a point in the sense that you begin to understand this must be a testimony that I am walking in the path of my Master. It becomes evidence of a transforming life. And Jesus says, remember that for you there awaits great reward in heaven. But then he says to the others, watch out. He says, woe to you when the world speaks well of you. Can I tell you that it's not natural for the world to speak well of true followers of Jesus? It's not natural. I know that some of you think it is. But I'm here to tell you it is not, it is atypical, it is wrong, it is completely off base. If you're being praised as a follower of Jesus by the world, something is amiss. And Jesus makes this clear by by, by tying the praise of the world to the prophets of the Old Testament who were false. The reason the world praised the false prophets was because the false prophets told them what they wanted to hear. And they loved it. And they wanted more. Love it. Oh, could you give me another helping of that? But Jesus says, no, they were false prophets. They weren't speaking for me. They were speaking for themselves. They were earning a buck. They were getting your praise. And as we think about this, you can take this to the bank. That if you give the world a gospel that tells them they are basically okay, If you give them a message that says sin isn't really all that bad. If you give the message to the world that says God will accept your best efforts and he'll call it good. 
then I'm here to tell you that you can have a church of 45,000 people meeting in a former basketball arena. But don't expect that to happen if you lovingly, carefully, and faithfully give them the true gospel. Because the true gospel walked among men and they crucified him. And why should we think that we would get anything different? In fact, Jesus said, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, meaning a devil, how much more will they malign those of his household? The more we take on the image of Jesus in this world, the more this world will despise and marginalize us. That, my friend, I'm sorry to tell you, is just the cost of discipleship. Perfection walked among man, and man put him on a cross. So if you walk among men and women today, following after him and being like him, do you think you're going to get applauded? But I say to us, let that not deter us. Let that not deter us because there is an eternal reward with our name on it in heaven. Jesus says so. But not for those who are being applauded by the world. Not for them. No, they're getting their reward now. And it will soon pass. Now, as I share these things with you this morning, can you understand why ultimately the world wanted nothing to do with Jesus? I mean, his actions, his values were upside down to them. No one is blessed when they are poor. No one is blessed when they are hungry. No one's blessed when they weep or when people reject them and hate them. Friend, that is just absolutely asinine. Is it not? Don't be afraid to respond. To respond? Yeah, it's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. Oh, but that leads me to truth point number three. What the world does not understand is that they are seeing life from an upside down position. And when you're hanging upside down and you're seeing the world that way and you think that's normal, then it causes you when you see that which is right side up, it causes you to think, well, that's upside down. And that's where all of us were until the Spirit of God set us upright so that we could see the upside-downness of this world. So let me ask you, when you hear Jesus' sermon, do you get it? Ask yourself, do you get it? Do you see the right-side-upness of what He's saying? If you do, then you'll embrace it. And when you embrace it, Great will be the kingdom for you. And when you embrace it, filled will be your soul. And when you embrace it, joy will be your countenance. Or do you recoil from this message saying, that's crazy. I'm not going to turn my life upside down. I'm going to keep reaching for the stars. I'm going to keep working to improve my lot in life. I'm going to work to fit in and be praised by the world. Well, my friend, if that's where you are, then you are more upside down than you could ever imagine. But there's hope. And that's the beauty of the gospel. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what your mindset is. It doesn't matter what you've come from. There's always, in this life at least, 
there's hope. Because the Son of God, Jesus, came to this world for the express purpose of revealing the upside-down nature of the world and to make it possible for sinners to enter into the right-side-up kingdom of God. How did he do that? Well, he did it first by becoming human. The Son of God became man. And as a man, he lived in faithful obedience to the will of his Father. And he went to the cross where the Father laid all of the sin of humanity upon his Son. And there he poured out the full wrath of judgment for human sin upon his Son. Literally, Jesus became the offering for sin so that sinners might become the righteousness of God in him. When we gather as the church and we take the bread and the cup, it symbolizes that work that I just talked about of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken for our sin. The cup represents His blood, which was shed for the cleansing of sin from a life. Communion reminds us of the extraordinary love of God for sinners and the extent to which He is willing to go to redeem sinful, fallen humanity to Himself. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.